Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Friday. It is January 19th. We are talking Green Bay Packer, San Francisco 49ers, importance rankings. We'll also talk about any other storylines that have popped up in the last day or how we feel like things are trending. Uh, I'll talk a little bit on the betting lines as well if you're curious on that. And then we'll talk about Marquette's matchup against St. John's on Saturday. Will the Golden Eagles finally notch that road win? And lastly, we will break down the giveaways for the Milwaukee Brewers this season. We are going to go on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best, 1 being the worst. We will rank them in our own way. So a lot of rankings on today's show. But before I get going, Tapping the Keg on X is where you can hang out with us on Saturday. Uh, I do not know where our location will be. I will tell you. Um, I know that I had some friends earlier in the week who were talking about somewhere in Tosa. I've We've had some conversations about Worst Bar with a couple of us. Mitch and I, you might have heard that yesterday on Tapping the Keg. But wherever I am, I will make sure that we zed it out, whatever it may be, tweet it out. I'll still say tweet it out. Um, and we'll tell you guys where you are. So kind of an unofficial, if you want to come hang out, watch the game with us, um, we certainly more than merry, right? Um, and I'll definitely uh, get, get drinks at least, at least one round. Uh, as for the other platforms, having the keg sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok and Facebook, uh, make sure that if you are already doing the social media thing that you're subscribed to this podcast, whether it's Apple, Spotify, uh, wherever else you get your pods. If you're new to this program, you're just joining us for the first time, we do these podcasts four days a week. Uh, we are, I'm probably gonna have a pod on Sunday. Um, I'm not gonna have it right after the game, like you'll see with some of the other Packer content creators, partly because they don't get paid. If I got paid uh, and I was getting paid the salary I get at my day job, I would be home on Saturday night. Now, would I have a couple beers before I did the podcast? Yeah, for, for sure. But uh, I don't get paid. So I want to go out and either commiserate with my friends or enjoy with my friends. And then on Sunday, I will do the pod at some point in the morning. Um, probably, Hopefully before Buccaneers-Lions um, and just sort of do that. And then we'll have another pod for Monday, um, getting either ready for the championship game, which would be wild to talk about, or uh, getting kind of started on the end of the season, talking about all the other stuff that happened over the weekend, Bucks play, Marquette plays. Um, so that would kind of be the plan on paper, uh, if you will. I hope that I don't get too hungover. Uh, last divisional round, I don't get super hungover. I know that's weird being that I'm 35, heading into 36, yikes. Um, but it doesn't really happen to me. And um, I did last year. And last year was a combination of, I was out till bar close, which I rarely ever am at this point in my life. And I did a lot of shots that night. I was at Nichols, shot on Nichols in New Berlin. And it was full of cigarette smoke because they allow smoking at bar, fun fact. And then I walked home in pretty much frigid, not as cold as it's been, but it was cold, cold temps. And uh, yeah, I was dead to the world. Uh, my wife was not pleased with me uh, after that one. But what I, what I always tell her is like, you learn from your hangovers. At least I do. When I get hungover, I'm like, all right, how do we avoid that from happening again? That case, it was shots and not sale of bar clothes. Like got to get out of there at some point. Got to pull the ripcord, uh, shall we say. All right, that's enough about me. Let's talk Packers 49ers. The Green Bay Packers take on the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday night. 
It is going to be a great matchup. I'm excited for it. I'm more excited as we get closer to it. Uh, I don't think this is a David versus Goliath matchup. I know we talked a little bit about that on yesterday's show. And I asked Mitch that question, and I actually realized what what a dumb question that was. Um, Because this Packer team is playing with a healthy bucket of confidence. Like, they have a full bucket of swagger right now. And I can't remember a Packer team in the playoffs that was this loose. Now, maybe it's social media doing a better job of it. Packers social media is leaps and bounds better than it was last year and asking players questions about who would date their daughter into a playoff week. And Preston Smith's like, not none of them, all of them are dirtbags, uh, which was hilarious. And someone else called uh, all the Packers dirtbags. So maybe we just got a bunch of dogs on the team in, in more ways than one, right? And, but like Jaden Reed wearing the helmet, you know, in terms of his media session that Aaron Jones's son gave him, like these guys are loose and they are acting like they have nothing to play. They have nothing to lose, right? That all it is, is like all the pressures on San Francisco and they know it and they just want to keep playing ball. Cause as we've talked about in the past, and I've said it probably too much, they are a college team on steroids. So these are just guys that are enjoying playing football together, that are enjoying the camaraderie because probably not a lot of them are married, probably not a lot of them have kids. And so they are just hanging with their dudes all the time. And what's better than that, right? Uh, Steve Adazio, what's better, what's better than this? Guys being dudes. Like literally that's fucking Packers right now. So they go into this matchup with San Francisco. They'll get on the plane tomorrow and head over to Santa Clara to take on the vaunted and the hated San Francisco 49ers. What are the most important ways, more important things that will help this Green Bay Packer team win this football game? This is importance rankings. We have done it for the last four weeks. Am I doing it because I'm a little superstitious? Yes, um, gotta keep it going. And then we'll, uh, we'll wrap at the end and kinda let's move to the importance rankings, shall we? The number one guy on the importance ranking is Jordan Love. Yes, I'm not, I don't think anyone is surprised by that, but Jordan Love gets an opportunity for an encore. Jordan Love gets an opportunity to play all along the watchtower if you're a Dave Matthews Band fan. Like that's what Jordan Love has the opportunity to come out and bring the fucking noise. And he, I, I have all the confidence in the world. Uh, the guy has looked incredible. I don't think he's a guy where the moment's gonna be too big. He knows what San Francisco's defense looks like, right? He hasn't played against them, but he's been, you know, scout team, you know, with Aaron Rodgers in the Aaron Rodgers era. And he's studied tape with Aaron Rodgers and he knows, you know, what to expect out of this Niners defense. Now it's a little different with Steve Wilkes compared to D'Amico Ryans, but still, there is definitely a knowledge of it. And I don't think Jordan Love is going to be afraid. I don't think Jordan Love is going to make the passes that we saw in October. Jordan Love has been nearly flawless since Thanksgiving. And there is a real argument that he's been the best quarterback in the NFL since Thanksgiving. And we've seen teams get on heaters in the playoffs. It has happened multiple times throughout our throughout the NFL, really 
you know, after the Giants in 2007. Like, that was the first team where it's like, nah, they can't do this again. And then they do it again. And then they do it again. And then all of a sudden, they're Super Bowl champions. They're like, how the fuck did this happen? But it, it does occur. And remember, like, the Ravens are actually, weirdly, are a good example of that in 2012 with Joe Flacco, where they go into Denver. Denver was this great team. First year of Peyton Manning. The hype around Peyton Manning was massive at that point. And Joe Flacco willed his way to victory, an overtime thriller against the, the Denver Broncos and won that game. So it can happen. And Jordan Love can do this. And I, I don't expect him to blow up. I think I would be really surprised if Jordan Love is like one touchdown, three interceptions, where he has like a Favre-like performance, right? Because I've said this before, but I think he's more Favre than he is Rodgers. And Favre would have, you know, playoff games where on the road he'd implode. And he'd throw a couple back-breaking interceptions. And that'd be the difference between the Packers winning and the Packers losing because he gave them short fields. Jordan Love just needs to come out relaxed and they need to be the aggressor. Uh, I don't have a spot for Mark Shamara's comments uh, with Richard Sherman. I don't know if you guys caught that, but Mark Shamara, we, oh, we talked about it on yesterday's show. Uh, so I don't need to rehash that. But yeah, it's what Shamara said without the personal fouls. You got to be the aggressors. And part of that is Jordan Love at least putting together good drives early on. I don't. I think the Packers will benefit if they get a lead early. Uh, that is a bugaboo of the 49ers. Um, but I, I do think that as long as Love is moving the ball downfield, getting opportunities to potentially be in field goal range or go for it for fourth down and a couple and maybe one or two touchdowns, the Packers are going to be really much set up for success. And I think the Packers can win this game with a great Jordan Love game. I, I don't know if they can win with him being good. Um, I think that would be a really tall task. You would need Brock Purdy to absolutely implode. Number two is Devondre Campbell. I mentioned it yesterday that I'm very worried about Devondre Campbell against George Kittle. Um, I think that that is a terrifying matchup. The Packers are one of the worst teams in terms of middle of the field pass defense. George Kittle can definitely eat against this team. Um, and Campbell... Is going, to be, is going to be needed to be on his game. Now, Isaiah McDuffie's questionable. If Isaiah McDuffie plays, I think that lessens the load a little bit on Campbell and maybe allows Campbell to play near the line of scrimmage versus, you know, in coverage. Uh, but it's, I mean, that is a tall order uh, to take on Kittle. And they're going to need some help and you're going to need to scheme it. And Campbell's going to need to be ready. And if, you know, the Packers make the switch and Quay Walker's that guy, then this whole conversation applies to Quay Walker too. Uh, I, I just think they can't get beat in the middle of the field or at least try to prevent it. Look, are San Francisco going to make some plays? Yes. They are one of the best teams in football. They're they're going to make shit happen, you know, during the game. Like I, I do not expect a Dallas-like game, right? Where we're just in euphoric state really for the entire game. I, this one will be a lot more nail bitey. The buttholes will be a lot more tighter. Like it's, it's going to be different. And if you don't think it's going to be different, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but yeah, Devondre Campbell has to be big. Uh, number three to Zach Tom. Uh, Zach Tom has been incredible. Uh, he We've sang his praises for a while here on this podcast. And now he gets Nick Bosa. And Zach Tom's seen a lot of great edge rushers. Saw Jim Hutchinson. Saw Daniel Hunter twice. 
Uh, he see, I think Max Crosby, I think is on the other side, but I'm sure he had some, you know, instances with Max Crosby. Like he's seen a pretty good bevy of pass rushers. This isn't like the Texans who have not played any good defenses all season. Like that, that team to me is a little bit fraudulent. Um, but like, it, it's not like that for Zach Tom, where Zach Tom's like, oh, he's played absolute nobodies um, in terms of who he's went up against. Zach Tom can handle himself against Nick Bosa. It's going to be hard. Nick Bosa is a really physical ass player and he usually gets the best of people. And they had a good scheme for Bosa uh, when Josh Nyman was in there for Bakhtiari a couple of years ago and Bosa was playing on the other side. But it, it's going to have to be Zach Tom keeping Jordan Love clean. And same goes for Rasheed Walker. He's not on this list, but you really say both tackles, right? It's just going to be, can you protect Jordan Love's blind side? Can you protect Jordan Love from taking that big hit and losing the football? And that that is what you don't want, especially with the thought of that it will be rainy in Santa Clara. Um, that would also affect, you know, what the Packers might be able to do or not do. Number four goes to Rashawn Gary. So flip, flip the whole conversation. Uh, Rashawn Gary has not had a sack since a half sack against the Lions. I think that sacks in general are a little bit overrated, right? I think you can make your presence felt without sacking the quarterback. I, you know, lockdown corners sometimes don't have interceptions, right? Namdi Asamoah was one of the best corners in football, and he never really had interceptions because people just wouldn't throw it. People were like, all right, that side of the field is taken away. We're just going to throw on the other side. Richard Sherman, same thing. Like, I think that's kind of the case with Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary is attracting people and opening up opportunities for guys like Kenny Clark, uh, Preston Smith, Lucas Van Ness, uh, Quay Walker on a blitz. Like, he's opening it up for other guys than not just him. And so, but I do think like Rashawn Gary needs to keep that up. I don't necessarily need him to get a sack. I also need Rashawn Gary to play somewhat contained and in control. Too many times Rashawn Gary gets sucked in and all of a sudden, you know, you there's a jet sweep by the opposition going for 10 or 12 yards. They are going to run to the edges with Debo, with Christian McCaffrey, and Rashawn Gary has to be ready for that. He has to stand his ground and say, all right, we know this is coming because of XYZ. Like that to me is what I care more about than a sack is can Rashawn Gary hold his water and not get sucked into, into the middle and Debo's running down the sidelines for a, a 35-yard touchdown. That's huge uh, for Sean Gary. And I think that's a really big key to this game, honestly, because it, the Packers have had trouble in the past with flats and edge rush and all that stuff. And that's stuff that San Francisco does well. Stretch run, I guess, would be the better way to say it. Um, it's just like... That needs to be improved by Green Bay. And we'll hopefully, fingers crossed, we'll have it. Number five is Jaden Reed. I actually moved Jaden Reed up on this list. Uh, Jaden Reed did not have a catch in the last game. He also said, fuck your parlays, uh, which was great. I love that because I think uh, people who bitch to athletes about their gambling stuff not hitting are pathetic losers. Um, that's just dumb bullshit. Like that's just, get your head out of the sand one fucking time for me. Uh, but Jaden Reed, could be the guy this week. Um, the Niners struggled with slot guys all year. 
Um, they real in the games they lost against the Minnesota Vikings and the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, they went to town in the nickel. And Ambry Thomas is not very good. Uh, who is their third guy? Who's their nickel guy? He's playing with a cast on his wrist. Um, I think you can take full advantage of that. I think they are going to abuse that guy. I think they are going to go to town, and I think Jaden Reed's going to have a lot to say about it. I also think they could do some sort of pop pass, some reverse stuff to get Jaden Reed going a little bit to say, all right, like we didn't forget about you. I know you didn't you know, have a catch in the first game, but we're going to make sure that you're getting fed the ball a little bit. And so I could see Jaden Reed, Reed, the running back, come back a little bit. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that they are going to need Jaden Reed to have a big one. And I, I also think that other guys could step up in that nickel position. I'm just using Jaden Reed because we've seen him a lot in, in that sort of slot, you know, corner position. Uh, you could certainly see Christian Watson there a little bit. Definitely Dontrevian Wicks has, has done some work there this year. Romeo Dobbs, like I, I think they will rotate all those guys in and kind of make it hell for Thomas and force Steve Wilkes into an adjustment. But yeah, I I think there's a big Jaden Reed game. So I know you're all like, well, I'm staying away from Jaden Reed and my same game parlays and all this other shit. But I, I would I definitely look into some Jaden Reed investment this weekend. Joe Barry's number six. Uh, Joe Barry trying to keep his job uh, back against the wall. Uh, and he's looked good, you know, the last couple of weeks. Defense has really been cooking. And they play these good teams seemingly better. And I know it's really frustrating, but Joe Barry's system is built for good quarterbacks and it's built to stop good quarterbacks. And I think that, you know, this is his real test. Like, it's like, okay, the Cowboys was one thing, but now you have the 49ers. What are you going to do to make sure that the 49ers aren't necessarily going to run rampant on you? And yes, could they get some explosives? Sure. I think what they're trying to prevent is the big play. And they're trying to make sure that everything stays in front of them and that they tackle and they wrap up and make shit happen. And I also think they need to get to Brock Purdy. I know the numbers on Brock Purdy under pressure are actually pretty damn good. But with the weather being what it is, um, Brock Purdy has some real problems with rain. Uh, he has not been able to grip the ball. His hands are a little smaller. And he's had some real issues um, when it rains. And if it does rain during this game or it rains right before it, the Packers need to be relentless on getting that football from Brock Purdy. I know Devontae Wyatt you know, made the comment that, oh yeah, we're going to force a turnover. It was a little cocky, but at the same time, I think he, know, he knows from the coaches, they're telling him like, hey, look, that ball could be loose and you got to jump on it. And so I think Joe Barry needs to make sure that's schemed up take some risks, take some chances. Don't coach scared. Um, I, I think that goes for Matt LaFleur too, but I don't want to coach like pussies and I don't want them to, you know, kind of dilly dally around and not be the aggressors themselves. Like just play your shit, do what you were doing for the last few games. Like that's all I think any of us asked for. Number eight is, or number seven, excuse me, Aaron Jones. Uh, you can run on this 49ers team, 49ers, are not exactly a great run defense. You also add the fact that Seelan Farrell is not gonna be on the field. Uh, and you'll have basically Chase Young, you know, taking run snaps, which by the way, Chase Young, not exactly, and Randy Gregory. Both those guys do not necessarily stop the run. 
Um, so I think the Packers could have a massive day on the ground again. And I, I also think it's a way to victory, right? It's controlling the clock, doing what they did in Dallas, where they're just bleeding clock and they're just trying to basically, I wouldn't even say four corners it, but they are just methodically moving it down the field. And I think they can do that with Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones is playing some of his best football that we have ever seen. Um, I, I'm convinced that you know he can do it again. I don't think this is this is a mirage, right? Uh, after you've done it four straight times of over 100 yards, I think you'll keep doing that. And I also think there's something to Aaron Jones that he wants to see this through. He is the clear leader of the team. He is the you know the heart, the soul. There was a thing today um, where he basically was like, you know, let's knock these front runners off right away. Speaking about the Cowboys, he's like, let's let's show them how to play, how to block, how to tackle the G way. And I fucking love that. Like I love that so much. And I, I really hope that that is that's still the theme. And I, I feel like Aaron Jones can pop for for a big game. Like I, that would not surprise me if the Packers win this game and Aaron Jones has over 100 yards yet again. And the Packers are, you know, into the NFC Championship game on the heels of Aaron Jones and, and you know, obviously other things that would have to happen. I don't think Aaron Jones can win the game by himself, but it, I think he can have a big game. I, I'm not worried about Aaron Jones getting stopped. You know, again, in the losses that San Francisco had, which I, I think is always an important exercise to kind of look at and study because you can kind of get some things, you can kind of learn some things. They rushed, San Francisco, or Cincinnati, that is, rushed for 134 yards. Joe Mixon had 87 yards, 5.4. Joe Burrow actually had uh, 43 yards on the ground and 7.2 average. So maybe there's an opportunity there for Jordan Love. In the game against the with the Ravens, the Ravens only ran for 102, but it, you know, it was a combination of Lamar, Gus, Jack, Gus Edwards, and Justice Hill. Um, and they didn't have Keaton Mitchell. Remember, he goes down with an injury. Uh, Lamar had seven for 45 on the ground. So again, a little, little interesting there. As for the Minnesota Vikings, who were led by Kirk Cousins, they did not exactly run the ball, but the Vikings weren't really running the ball all last season. That was mostly Kirk Cousins carving up that, that Niners defense with Jordan Addison and TJ Hawkinson, middle of the field, as we talked about. It's taking advantage of those nickel corners. So I... I think you know there there is you know kind of data that shows Aaron Jones can have himself a big day. Uh, number eight to Carrington Valentine uh, could be wide could be uh, CB one if Jair Alexander can't play. Um, he did not practice on Thursday. I imagine Jair is going to try everything to play this game and try desperately not to sit out. I I don't. Think he will, but if he does, and Carrington Valentine's the guy, I mean, he's gonna have to, you know, whether it's Brandon Ayuk, whether it's Debo Samuel, I I would probably put him on Ayuk uh, because he's a little bigger, and Brandon Ayuk's a bigger guy. Um, and then for Debo, you would do Jair, and I think you're just gonna have to hope and pray that Keyshawn Nixon can run around with him a little bit, uh, and that's a scary thought in its own right. Uh, but that to me would probably be the game plan, and. Or you, you do Corey Ballantyne, but I, I don't know if Ballantyne's quick enough. I mean, I guess in your obvious, like, Debo's out, in the, out on the edge, like, yes, take, have Ballantyne take him. But inside, I think that's where you go Nixon. So I, it's going to be a tall task if you don't have Jair. I, I mean, that makes it really challenging. I don't think that moves the line, 
but it's definitely something that it becomes a little more improbable than maybe you think when you're heading into it. Because like, we all know you're gonna talk yourself into, the, into them winning. And you may have already, um, because that's just, it's what fans do, man. Like the, I think fans who like think we're gonna lose or like, you're like, oh, we like, eat, eat, like you gotta at least have hope. Like you can't just go into it and think you're gonna lose and be like, oh, it's fucked. Like that's just, I, it's a bad way to fan. I don't mean to fan gatekeep, but it's just, I hate that shit. So number nine, what do I have nine? We have number nine is Christian Watson. Christian Watson did not really do much in the game against Dallas, but he makes it a really difficult for defenses to defend the Green Bay Packers because Christian Watson can be used as a decor. Christian, Christian Watson can be sent deep. They have to account for Christian Watson. As you've heard a lot of Packer, you know, I guess, they're not bloggers anymore, right? Like Packer content creators say like he flips the field. He makes it really difficult on defenses because they have to account for him. And if they don't account for him, he can go off. And I would it'd be very interesting to see if San Francisco is like, all right, we'll let Christian Watson go off and we're gonna basically shut down everybody else. I don't think that would be a good strategy for them. I think Watson, you know, he, he did not have an in, in, injury designation, so he's probably a full go. I, I think that is really exciting and could really see a big performance out of Christian Watson in this game. And if nothing else, he's gonna help the rest of the offense. The Packers have really looked good when they have their full complement full complement of wide receivers. They've done it without them, but when they have them, they are really cooking at full steam. Number 10 is Kishon Nixon, and it's not for the reasons you think. San Francisco's had some issues uh, covering kickoffs this year. Now, I guess Jake Moody's been putting it more in the end zone, so that, that's kind of been mitigated. But if Keyshawn gets a chance to return one, he might break it. Uh, and for there was a while in the season where it looked like Kishon was gonna break one, never did. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he does. I would be kind of a tribute to Desmond Howard, who uh, in the 96, was it the 96 Super Bowl run or nine? No, uh, yeah, I think it was a 96 Super Bowl run. He returned, I think he returned to punt uh, in the mud. There was a mud game in Lambeau, which is kind of kind of wild to think about uh, as a, a mud game divisional round. The Packers beat the San Francisco 49ers 35 to 14. And oh yeah, punt, it was a punt return uh, from Desmond, Desmond Howard. So it was not a kick return. Um, it was a very muddy day at Lambeau Field. Probably the muddiest day that I have seen uh, at Lambeau. Really, they, I mean, the grass is so, is so well, well kept now. That doesn't that doesn't usually happen, but it's it's definitely you know something that that did on that day, and it was a complete mess. But the Packers absolutely dominated the 49ers in that game. You know that was second straight year those two teams had met in the playoffs, and the Packers were able to come out victorious. I'm I'm pulling up the Howard stuff if you could. Uh, yeah, Howard had a 71 yard punt return to open, that was to open scoring. And Green Bay really never looked back from there. Um, you had Elvis Gerbach uh, leading the charge. I think Steve Young, he tore his ACL. No, he got hurt that game. Not, that wasn't the year. I think Young tears his ACL the following year, um, but Gerbach was not good after Young went out with an injury. 
Uh, all right, honorable mention for the importance rankings before we just cover a little extra stuff. Uh, let's see here. Matt LaFleur for sure. Um, you know, just don't coach scared. Josh Myers in the middle. Like Eric Armstead's very good. They have a very good interior rush. Like Myers, Sean Ryan, Elton James got to be great. Anders Carlson, again, I, I said it yesterday, but I, I think one of my biggest like sticking points is Carlson or Moody, who is going to be the one that fucks something up? I think that's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I feel it in my bones. I really hope it's not Anders Carlson. Lucas Van Ness, uh, you don't have Ken's Kingsley Ingenbare anymore with, out with an ACL injury. Van Ness is going to get a lot of opportunities. He's looked great um, in limited stuff. He's familiar with Brock Purdy being an Iowa State guy, him being an Iowa guy. Uh, so there, he at least knows a little bit of what Brock Purdy is going to be bringing to the table. Corey Ballantyne, especially if Jair's out, and then Darnell Savage, who could help with that middle of the field issue. Uh, as for the line, it's nine and a half uh, to the Green Bay Pack or to the 49ers. I, I think like the conservative in you is like just take the take the spread, maybe sprinkle the money line, and then you're okay if the Packers lose. Now, if you want to go balls to the walls and just take the money line and say, fuck it, we're team of destiny, do it. I mean, go ahead. Um, I would personally recommend the former. Um, not that I want the Packers to ever lose, um, but that's a way to kind of hedge and not necessarily root for the 49ers or anything like that. But no, okay, I at least have this. Um, I don't expect the Packers to get blown off, blown off the field. I'd be really surprised if they lose by double digits in this game. I just think they're playing too good a football for it to just come apart like a house of cards. The only way that it would is if they play a little scared, if the 49ers go down and score right away, it's seven nothing, they great script from Shanahan, Jordan Love immediately turns the ball over, it's 14 nothing San Francisco. And Green Bay is just climbing up the hill the rest of the game and they can't necessarily get there. And it's a little too late and they lose 27-7, 28-17, or something like that. Like to me, that's worst case scenario. Um, but I can see situations where Packers jump out and the 49ers have to come back. And that's something that Brock Purdy hasn't done much of because this 49ers team has been so dominant and they have the rest issue. They have the rest issue. They haven't played for two, two weeks. They've been off, they've been on easy street. I think that that is, is going to be a challenge. There's some numbers that that back that up, which is, is just very interesting. And also makes you feel maybe a little nervous about the, the Ravens too. Although, as I said, I feel pretty confident about said Ravens. So here, here's what we, we have for this. So in the last 10 years, this from Stucky, who's on uh, Action Network, four teams rested starters and lost, 2011 Packers, yep, remember, 2016 Cowboys, 2017 Steelers, 2019 Ravens. Two teams rested starters and won. 2017 Eagles, 2018 uh, Saints. And then in terms of against the spread, they were one and five. So I, oh, so, and that Eagles team, even though they rested guys, they were a dog against that Falcons team. So no, no one covered. And to keep this also in mind, favorites in this round, not been great. 27 and 37 against the spread since 2003. So historically, we have not seen the favorites do well. Something to keep in mind. 
something that makes you feel a little more confident in the Green Bay Packers. I I also have no idea what you do with the over-under. I think I'd lean under only because of the weather and ball control and everything else. Um, I think I would just stick to the spread or the money line um, and don't put it with anything. Don't don't put it in a parlay. Don't put it in, you know, some of the nuts. I would just say just play it straight up and that's it's kind of how I, how I would attack it. But I feel pretty good, man. I really do. Um, it's going to be a long, what are we at? I'm taping this almost midnight. So midnight plus another midnight, 24. We're, we're, we're still like 36-ish hours away, 37 hours away from Packer football. But I'm, I'm so excited that it's middle of January and we're still talking Packers, you know, like we do during the, during the game or during the season. So it's it's awesome. I, I never would have expected. If you tell me after that Raiders game that the Packers would be in the second round of the playoffs, I'd tell you to go fuck yourself. <laughs> I'd be like, no way, man. Absolutely not. Like, well, like what playoffs? The U, the UFL playoffs? Like, no way. But we're here, man. And we got nothing to lose. House Money City USA. Moving on to Marquette, who takes on St. John's at 11 o'clock on Fox. So both teams will be on Fox. Actually, not to derail the Marquette topic, but a great day of Wisconsin sports. It is all set up for you. You have the Marquette Golden Eagles on at 11. You have the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, granted, they're playing the Detroit Pistons. But you have that from 2 to 4.30. And then there's a little bit of a gap. And then you get... Packers 49ers. So that's set up perfectly. And if you wanted to do go to a crowded bar, a bar that is known for football, I think the play would actually be to catch the end of the Bucks game. I realize that means you got to be at the bar for three extra hours. That is a lot of time. That's quite the commitment. But just casually sipping, you know, domestics and getting yourself getting the mind right. I think that's I think that's the way to do it. Like I, I think that's my approach. What I would what I would personally recommend is that's kind of how I would would take it on if you know it's a big bar known for their their packer their packer crowds, right? You want to make sure you get a good seat. I, you know that that always matters, always important. Uh, Wisconsin actually plays tonight, so I was gonna say, oh, you could add on to it, and you have the Badgers, but they are playing. Indiana uh, this evening at 7:30, um, and so that does it doesn't work perfectly. Like if you were a fan of both teams, which I'm not, but if you had that Badger game at like 4:30 to 6:30, that'd be perfect. But then then my biggest worry would be the bartenders because God knows, the, and I know I'm not trying to be mean, but they just sometimes have no idea what they're doing with it with a TV. Um, but anyways, Marquette St. John's. Marquette trying to win on the road for the second time all season. They are one in three, I believe, on the road so far. Um, they have failed road tests in Wisconsin. They failed road test or Madison. They failed road test in Providence, and they failed a road test in South Orange, New Jersey, aka Seton Hall. Uh, Seton Hall one, I think, is the one that's more infuriating. I know Seton Hall is five and one. They're having a great season so far in the Big East. Um, definitely playing above expectations. I think you could probably say Seton Hall is the Marquette of this season where they're playing above what everyone expected. Uh, so maybe it's not as bad of a loss, um, but I think just with the way Seton Hall plays, it was set up perfectly for Marquette. 
And this one also sets up pretty perfectly. Now, the biggest question will be is Rick, Rick Pitino's health. Rick Pitino had COVID. Uh, he didn't coach in the game against Seton Hall. And you could definitely feel it. Uh, Seton Hall whooped uh, St. John's. And I do wonder the preparation for this game. How is it affected by Pitino's COVID? Um, and if he's not able to coach, then you have Steve Mazziello, who is was a former Manhattan coach, but not a Big East coach at all. He's a Pitino guy. Um, just like Cal Parry has his guys and Roy Williams and self and the whole thing. But it looked out of sorts on Tuesday. And so I do wonder, could that be a slight edge for Marquette? But as I said, this matchup works for Marquette's favor. Um, and I'll tell you why. So Marquette against St. John's, if you look at the matchup itself on paper, uh, Marquette allows a ton of threes. Um, they're allowing the 14 most threes in the in college basketball this season. So you're wa- we're watching a lot of the butt off, butt defense uh, with Marquette, which is I tell you it's a weird twilight zone thing. Right now, teams are shooting 36 percent against Marquette from three in the Big East season so far. But here's the dirty little secret about St. John's: they do not shoot the three pointer. They are dead last in point distribution uh, per Ken Bomb in three-point shooting. So it's polar opposite to what Marquette, you know, basically is inviting you to do. And what they want to do is they want to go into the paint. You know, obviously they have Joel Suriano, who's very good, Dennis Jenkins, uh, Jordan Dengle. Like they have some really talented players on that team and they want to get to the rack. Well, here's the thing, Marquette, is 11th in terms of point distribution, allowing points near the paint. Now they haven't been doing a great job of protecting the paint. They're they rank, you know, they 51%. So teams do have success when they get inside. But Marquette's been doing a hell of a job in terms of not letting teams in, and so that should work to their advantage. Now if we flip it, St. John's has been also really good at defending the three. Um, they are, well, they're the opposite, the Marquette. They're good at defending the three, 27.9% from three-point range. Well, that's a good thing for Marquette because they don't, they, they're not shooting the three ball well and they need to attack, attack, attack just like they did against Villanova. They have been doing that. Now, they, St. John's also very good at protecting the paint. St. John's bugaboo this year has been fouling um, and they draw... They give up the second most free throws in all of, all of the Big East, but Marquette's shooting 10. They're at 10 right now, which is crazy to me, given the fact how much they were attacking the paint in this last game. They got like no calls. Shout out to my guy, Dan Mach, who was talking about how Kolick just does not get officiated the same way as other guys. I completely agree with that. Um, I, I if the if the whistle is a hot whistle, which I don't want because I hate you know college games that are 40, 40 fouls a game. I, I think that bodes actually in Marquette's favor versus St. John's favor. Um, Marquette also a little bit better of a free throw shooting team. They are sixth uh, in the Big East at seventy six percent. St. John's is ninth at sixty eight percent. They're a little bit, and that's a little bit worse than their season long average. Marquette is has one of the better averages in all of college basketball. So when you look at the numbers, it all, it points to Marquette. But when we talk intangibles, 
that's obviously more in the St. John's category because they have the throwback jerseys from the 90s, Felipe Lopez, if you remember. Uh, that great St. John's team, Scooney Penn, Michael Red, uh, it, Boston College and Ohio State, respectfully. That was when I was really into college basketball. I think I might have put up that Felipe Lopez Sports Illustrated in my bedroom. I was known to put up some covers in bed. I don't think, I don't know if that made the cut. But anyways, um, I, that there'll be a lot of juice there. I'm sure Felipe Lopez will be back. I'm sure, you know, a lot of 90s guys will be in the building for that, um, which will bring a ton of juice to Madison Square Garden. Um, you also have the fact they lost two straight games on the road. They have not lost on the road this year. They are going to be hungry for a victory. And kind of, I don't know if I would call it desperation, only losing two, but it can turn into four really quick. So you know Patino is going to have his guys ready for this one. You know, Marquette has the target on their back. Um, they haven't played well with that target on the back on the road. I think Madison Square Garden is weirdly a different crowd. Um, it's more of a corporate crowd than it's still get really loud there. Don't get me wrong, but the the small gyms of Seton Hall, the small gym, not the small gym, but the raucous atmosphere of Providence or the Kohl Center, which are both bigger arenas, but they have awesome fucking fucking fans. So I think that this actually is the perfect game for Marquette from a road perspective because of just the way Madison Square Garden is built out and probably going to have some fans, but it's not going to be this rowdy ass like what we've talked about in those other stadiums. And there will be a decent amount of Marquette fans because look, it's an ideal thing. You have a game in the middle of January at 11 a.m. in New York City, pretty easy to get there. There's also a ton of Marquette grads all over the place and in that tri-state area. And so, of course, people are going to come up to the city and watch the Golden Eagles. So they're going to have a pretty solid contingent, probably bigger than what they've had at these other places, maybe Madison withstanding. So I, I just think if you're not going to win this week, when are you going to? Like, are you just not going to win on the road all fucking year? Because that would be my question. It, it just seems like it sets up. I get it, right? Weird shit could happen. But it seemed like whatever was going on with the Butler game and the Seton Hall game, like it's been flushed and they sort of moved on and they were playing great on, on Monday. And I just hope they can replicate it. And it, it's honestly similar to the Packers, right? Where you're like, I know that they were awesome the last time I watched them, but to replicate that success is really hard to do. But we'll see if they can get it done and kind of start off the Saturday right like that would that would be a bummer if you're going to do Saturday and Marquette has has lost already that that would bring in some bad vibes I worst vibes would definitely be the Bucks losing to the Pistons versus you know Marquette losing to a tough Big East opponent but yeah I I we need we need to start off on the right foot Marquette needs to to also just win on the road and get one. Once they get one, once you see one go down, usually it's better. The other thing I forgot to add about Masters for Garden, they won the biggest tournament there. That used to be a house of horrors. They used to have some demons there. Um, but after after last March, like you can't argue that Marquette has those demons. That's Those are courts they're familiar with. Those are courts that bring back good memories, that bring back good juju and it's also a way for Marquette to kind of send a little message and be like all right yeah we're gonna be back here we're gonna be ready to roll we're not afraid of UConn we're not afraid of Creighton we're not afraid of St. John's 
Like this is we're this is still our house until for until we give up that title belt in March. So be interesting to see if that if that adds any sort of juice to it. All right, let's wrap up today's show with brewer giveaways. I did this on my TikTok. I am going to post it other places as well, uh, where I rated my top five. Um, but I'll go through each of them uh, as we'll go chronological and give you my thoughts on it, and then give a quick. I was I was gonna say one to ten, but let's do grades. Let's go A A B C D or F. All right. First up in the Brewer giveaway is the Giannis jersey. I fucking love this jersey. Uh, now I'm an XXL. Um, I'm a big boy. If you didn't know, so that sucks. Um, but I think even for like a man cave, it would look great. Like it would look great to hang, you know, in your basement. Um, I love sort of the white and blue. I think if you're a Marquette fan, uh, this jersey is even better. Uh, and con- conveniently enough, Final Four uh, Saturday is that weekend. But if it's six ten, you're probably not showing up for that Giannis jersey uh, if Marquette's involved. And but it's great. Uh, I really like it. I think it's it's going to be a staple of a lot of darties. You'll see people wearing it during the when the weather gets warm. Oh, we saw that a lot. Uh, in the game in last year with the old Giannis City Connect. But I, I love it, man. I, I think it's cool. Um, I think it's a cool promotion that the Brewers do. It was extremely successful last year. Why not run it back for a Saturday Saturday game in April against Mariners? Then on Saturday, oh, great. I, I give that an A. That's an A for me. No question about it. On Saturday, uh, the 27th, they are giving away a City Connect tumbler. Your wife, girlfriend is probably falling head over heels over the Stanley craze, or they already have a Stanley, or they have a dupe of a Stanley. Um, if you're unfamiliar, uh, if you're single, or you just don't pay attention to the news, Stanley, these like Starbucks Stanley cups people have gone nuts for, they've just kind of hit new heights. They're kind of the first like big trend, I guess, of 2024, along with the Mob Boy Fair, which is weird in its own right. Um, but every woman is going to want tickets to this game. And then on top of that, they're playing the Yankees, Juan Soto, um, just the Yankees in general. People will come up from Chicago, things like that. Um, I, I also think males could want that too. I mean, you could use that, you know, in, in your day to day. It doesn't look weird as a guy sipping on a straw. I, it does. I don't know why. I, I have one myself, and when I'm on meetings for work, I just feel fucking weird drinking out of it. Maybe that's my own insecurities. Uh, but yeah, I grade-wise, it, it, I like the coloring. Um, I hate that it's against the Yankees. I think that's poorly planned. So because of that, I'm going to give it a B plus. I still really like it. I just am not a huge fan. Uh, the 12th of May, wife's birthday, by the way, not KBD, but MBD. Uh, they're giving away a belt bag against the St. Louis Cardinals. I just, so they're, we're now calling belt bags fanny packs. Or is it like the one, is it the Gen Z belt bag where they like wear it across their chest? Like that was cool like two fucking years ago. Are, are Gen Zers still wearing that? Like I, I just, I don't know. I don't have any use for belt bag. We won't be going to the uh, Brewers game. But so, but wait, maybe not because that's Mother's Day too. Which sucks for my wife. Like that happens, I think every six years where her birthday falls on Mother's Day, it's rough. But anyways, um, man, 
So it's probably not. It's probably like a fanny pack. Still, I that's that's a D for me. I mean, nice gesture, but I just I, I could see it being usable. Could see you, you know, storing shit in there. But I just I don't know. Out of the stuff they have, I'm not a huge fan. And you're only giving it to ten thousand people, so not a ton. Um, yeah, I'm just I'm not not a fan. D. Sal Freelich bobblehead. Uh, that's coming out on the fifteenth on Saturday against the Reds. Uh, no word on what it looks like, um, but I I love that one. Uh, I feel like as a young player, like kind of an indoctrination to being, you know, one of the guys is getting a bobblehead, um, and Sal's gonna get one. And I, I'm very curious to see if it looks the part. Um, you know, some look great, some don't. Um, but and it's also you know obviously a great collector item and. People sell them all the time, which is, I think, kind of scumbag behavior. Not, no, it's not scumbag behavior, but it's like if you you like price it out beyond like twenty bucks, right? Because these are free, and so it's like, why should you actually turn a profit on it? That's that's kind of where I'm like, maybe it's scumbag behavior. You can let me know. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. Uh, that's that's an A minus for me. I think that's a great giveaway. Um, also, it's a Saturday, middle of the summer. 310 start, which is perfect. Um, so you get your bobblehead, then go out. That's also, that is a problem though. So maybe I, I'll still give it a minus, but that is an issue, right? Is if you do do brewers, then go out and you have this bobblehead, guess what? You're probably gonna lose your bobblehead. So it's just, just call it what it is. Uh, the Brewmaster shirt is the next day. So they're doing back-to-back promotions, uh, 21 and older fans. Um, and they do not have a picture of it just yet. Uh, Brewmaster shirts are, you know, kind of what you see, you know, guys at the brewery wearing uh, self-explanatory. I'm not a huge fan of those. Um, there's another uh, another couple that makes sense for 2X. Like, I understand that you can only get them in bulk shipments and medium XL are the usual size. But you know who wears Brewmaster shirts? Fat guys. You know why? Because it covers up their fucking fat. So that's where I, I would love like a situation where they could pr- give you like a phone number that you could call the vendor and ask for a 2XL, like cut the, cut the brewers out of it. Say, you know, I was at the game, you know, could you ship me a 2XL or could you ship me a small? Could you ship, you know, large, you know, fuck people who are largest because usually they're fine. Like they'll, medi- they'll either fit in the medium or they'll fit in the XL. Um, but like, XXL, you're not fitting in an XL Brewmaster shirt. I'm just telling you that right now. So I can't see it. Um, I don't. I hate the back to back of it all. Oh, is that Father's Day? That might be Father's Day. So that might be the reason why they're doing it. Uh, still, that's even more reason for the XL. The beer belly guy. Whatever. I'll give it a C minus. Um, not a huge fan. Brewers Image Binder. Uh, these are like the little click images things that you did in the '90s. Uh, my, I, I look at those and I remind myself of a Russian history professor from Latvia who may or may not have been like in the socialist uprising. I forget his name now. Um, but he would do his power. He wouldn't have PowerPoints. He would have fucking slides and he'd be like, next slide, next slide. And you'd just be going through slides all fucking day. Um, I don't have any use for this. If I had kids, maybe it'd be cool. Um, that's an F to me. Um, it's Saturday, January, July 13th uh, against the Nationals, middle of the afternoon. There's better shit to do. Um, just sorry. 
Like, I, I love going to a middle-of-the-day day game on Saturdays, but not not great. That's right around birthday time for Mitchie. No thanks. Okay, another example of something that we need to 2XL for, the City Connect Hawaiian shirt. Uh, it's a medium or an XL. It's on a Saturday night against the Miami Marlins. That'll be an interesting crowd because that's Harley homecoming weekend that Chili Peppers are performing that night. Um, so that'll be, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what kind of crowd they do get for that. Um, but that, the Hawaiian shirts are big guy shirts. Like that should be 2XL. I, I like the blue. It's very blue. Um, but I, I know Hawaiian shirts are in. I think, you know, college kids would definitely, it's a good, good little shirt to have early on in, in the semester um, or just a younger, younger adult. Uh, I'll give it a B minus. Um, again, I, I take off for timing. And I take off for the fact that we are, you know, it's a big guy shirt. City Connect replica jersey. Uh, I that's a Saturday evening against the Reds. Uh, I love that idea. Um, that's a A for me. I think that's really cool um, to have that. You can customize it. You know, kind of make it your own thing. Um, so we'll uh, we'll certainly see. Uh, Brewers bobble was to be announced on Saturday, 8-17. I'm trying to think, could we do a trio bobble? Will they do a trio bobble on this, on one of these games? So would, would trio get a bobble? Cause there's two TBA bobbles. No, there's just one. So there's just the one on the 17th. Would it be trio? It's a 6-15 start against the guardians. And then on 9-7 uh, on a Saturday night, it'll be a Brewer soccer jersey. Um, I, I love that. I think that would be really cool. Uh, we'll see what they do with that. I would kind of hope they go since they have so much City Connect stuff. I hope they go kind of what they did with the with the Giannis jersey. Like, I hope they go those colors. I I don't have image, uh, but timing. It's right out. It's it is uh, second week of college football, and it's but that's I mean it's not Labor Day weekend. I, I'll give that a B. That'd be good. With Rockies, not exactly a great team. Puffy vest, again, another thing that you need the big guys for. Like that is a big guy wear, you know, as a big guy, the puffy vest is as versatile of an item in my closet that I fucking have. So I I definitely, I definitely think that you need to, that should be a big guy one again. But you know, what can you do? I still love it. I'll give it a B plus. Um, I, I still think it's one of the top things. I think it's, it looks great middle of September against Arizona. Um, and then lastly, Bernie Shelley snow globe. We don't have an image of it. Um, and hopefully the Brewers are still playing baseball at that point, right? Um, hopefully, I mean, and what I mean that, I mean, they're not like 76 and whatever, and just, you know, letting the season wind down and making trips for Cancun and they're actually in the hunt. Uh, but we'll see, uh, we, who knows? No one's signing baseball players. Everyone's just hanging out. Uh, it's very fucking weird. Um, anyways. That will do it for today's show. We will be back on Sunday morning, give or take the Green Bay Packers winning or losing uh, against the San Francisco 49ers. Um, and we'll talk then. And then we'll do another show on Monday uh, covering off on Marquette and the Bucks. Um, I, 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 I will say if I end up having enough energy not to, well, I kind of want to get it out there, have that sort of not necessarily instant reaction, but definitely a, you know, 
I don't. I, I feel like it'd be kind of funny to do like a zag, like delayed reaction. Packers, Niners, the whole thing. I, I as I told you yesterday, I think the Packers are winning. Um, I've talked myself into it. It's fine. Uh, if, I, if I get let down, I've I've been there before. And again, the road ahead is so fucking bright. All right. Have a good Friday. Enjoy. Drive safe with the snow that came down overnight. Um, and take care. We'll uh, we'll see you. I'll let, I'll let you guys know where I'm out. Uh, and if you want to come hang, love to have it. All right. Take care. Have a good one. Bye.